Filthy Henry, the Fairy Detective, Chapter 7. Each fairy race gave off a magical smell, a scent specific to this kind of creature, regardless of whether or not they could cast spells. Leerlings, for example, always smelled like damp feathers, even when in human form. Leprechauns give off a strange hair smell, like a barber shop after a busy day. When magic was cast in an area, it too left behind an odour, albeit just a stronger version of the normal fairy scent. Humans could not smell the fairy scents. They were as invisible to them as the rest of the fairy world, but Filthy Henry did not have this limitation. His fairy side picked up the scents easily, allowing his human nose to sniff in an entirely different spectrum. It was like having a very small bloodhound attached to your face, one trained to sniff out magical foxes. As Filthy Henry stepped inside the warehouse, he took a good long whiff of the air and smelled nothing. Well now, that's odd, he said, walking into the gloomy interior. Shelley jumped in after him, bumping into his back as the wooden door closed behind them. What's odd? Shelley asked, peering over his shoulder at the disused warehouse. Filthy Henry began walking across the warehouse floor. Well, there just doesn't seem to be any fairy smells around at all, he said. You can smell really good as well? Shelley asked. It's a bit dark in here, isn't it? Didn't you bring a flashlight? Ha! Filthy Henry laughed. Where I go, I don't need a flashlight. He held up his hand, fingers spread out wide. Sullas Lihrod, Filthy Henry said. A bright glowing orb of white light appeared in his hand, illuminating the inside of the warehouse like a floodlight at a football pitch. It pushed back the darkness, bullying its way throughout the building and making shadows run before it. The fairy detective tossed the glowing orb up into the rafters. There it floated in the air, suspended on invisible strings. Shelley stared up at the glowing ball. Did you just say light football in Irish? Maybe, Filthy Henry said. Magic for me works like it does in those fantasy books, except I don't get to speak broken Latin. No, Shelley said, but pigeon Irish, that's just to be expected. Come on, Filthy Henry said. I think I see one of the bodies. They headed down amongst the rows of cargo crates that lined the warehouse floor. When they reached the body, Shelley gasped, covering her mouth with her hands and rapidly averting her gaze to stare intently at the nearest crate. Filthy Henry thought he heard the unmistakable sound of some vomit being swallowed back down. You've never seen a dead body, I take it, he said. Shelley shook her head quickly. So what part of let's go and check the dead bodies in the warehouse? Did you not understand then? Well, what happened to him? She asked in scarce more than a whisper. Filthy Henry reached over and gave her a reassuring pat on the shoulder. She didn't seem in need of any more attention, at least as far as he could tell. Her face was drained completely of all colour, but that just meant she was more alive than the body at their feet. The fairy detective knelt down and examined the corpse. The victim had been completely drained of blood, probably even all his bodily fluids. There was nothing left behind but a dried-out husk, making it impossible to tell how old the person had been. Even telling how much they weighed would have been an impressive trick, given the state of the body. They had been discarded on the warehouse floor, like an empty fast-food container. 
Filthy Henry leaned in closer. It looked like they had put up some sort of a fight. The victim's clothes were torn and ripped all over. One finger was bent out of shape. What did those? Shelley asked, edging a foot nearer to the body and staring intently at the neck area. Filthy Henry looked and could see the blue glow coming from her eyes. She was using the fairy vision. Her hands were cupped around her eyes, like children would do to pretend they had binoculars. The fairy detective figured she must have been using them as blinkers to somehow shield out the entire body from her field of vision. All that she wanted to see were the little marks on the victim's neck. The fairy detective turned up his own magically enhanced sight and looked at the neck. Immediately, two small circular marks on the victim's skin appeared, wisps of red energy drifting up from them like smoke. Bloody stokers, Filthy Henry said, prodding the dried skin around the wound. Stokers? Shelley asked, crouching down closer to the body and gingerly reaching out with her hand towards the red smoke. Vampires, Filthy Henry explained. Any of the ones in Ireland are usually referred to as stokers, after Bram Stoker wrote that book. It sort of helps differentiate them between the fairy kind of vampire and the sort you get roaming around Europe. So then a stoker did this, you sure? Filthy Henry nodded and pointed at the puncture wounds. See the trails coming up from the holes? That's fairy power. It will be gone in another couple of hours. A normal vampire wouldn't leave that behind. So that means we're dealing with a stoker. Meaning, it's something that I have to look into. But why would one risk the trouble of breaking the rules? The fairy detective stood upright once more. He looked around, searching by the light of the glowing orb for anything else in the warehouse that was worth a look. At the end of a row of crates he spotted a foot. In his experience, feet were generally attached to a body, or missing from one. Either way, it merited his attention. He walked towards the foot, Shelley scurrying after him, and found the second body. It was like the first, a dried-out husk. Two identical marks were on the victim's neck. Identifying either of them was going to be impossible. Too much damage had been done, but there was something different about this body. With a gesture, Filthy Henry brought the floating orb down from the rafters, moving it so it hovered just above their heads. As the light hit the dried-up body, the fairy detective frowned. Covering victim number two was a layer of dust, unevenly distributed. Neither body had been there long enough for normal dust to gather in such a large quantity. The pattern of dust was also interesting. Some parts of the body had no dust, others a thin layer, with a large collection spread over the victim's legs. Filthy Henry reached into his trench coat pockets and pulled out a small, empty sandwich bag. He bent down and scooped some of the dust into the bag, sealing it shut and holding it up to the light. He had some idea about what the dust was, but it would have wrapped things up in too neat a package. Pocketing the bag, he looked over at the body once more. Should you be doing that? Shelley asked. It's like stealing evidence, isn't it? He went to answer her when something between two nearby crates caught his attention. Something that his gut told him would be best for Shelley not to see, just to be on the safe side. Filthy Henry generally trusted gut feelings completely. They tended to be spot on. Just keep an eye out for anybody entering the warehouse, Filthy Henry instructed Shelley. We're probably out of time at this stage. Shelley gave him a look, as if not appreciating being ordered around. She looked back at the entrance to the warehouse and saw the coast was clear, then ran over and crouched behind some boxes. 
Once he was sure that her attention was fixed on the warehouse door, Filthy Henry reached between the two crates. His fingertips brushed against fur. Crap, Filthy Henry said. He double-checked that Shelley was not looking at him before grabbing the furry thing and bringing it closer. Using the dried-up body to hide it from her sight, Filthy Henry laid the furry object on the ground beside the victim's body. It was the body of a caught sea. Filthy Henry, being an occasionally betting man, would have given good odds that the fairy had gone by the name of Kitty Purry as well. Sometimes coincidences wanted to play with you, just for the fun of it. Telling Shelley would have been the right thing to do, but he wanted to be certain first. After all, Dublin had a lot of cats in it, both fairy and normal, so it was possible that this was some other talking cat that had just died in the warehouse. A warehouse that just happened to be the scene of another fairy-related crime. The court sea was too big to hide in one of his pockets. Filthy Henry figured it would be better just to tell Shelley once they had gotten out of the warehouse. It would be better if she didn't become emotional while they were in the middle of trespassing on a crime scene. Which only left one option open to him to get the fairy body out of the warehouse. Time to work off some of that breakfast, I guess, Filthy Henry said to himself as he placed both his hands over the deceased court sea. He closed his eyes and focused his thoughts on a box back in his office on Middle Abbey Street. A box that was empty and big enough to hide something like a dead cat's body. Once the metal image was clear in his mind, the fairy detective cast his spell. Sweave bugger, he said. There was no bright glow or lingering spell effects this time. One second the caught sea's body was there between his hands, the next it had vanished with a strange plopping sound, as if something had been dropped into water. For a split second the warehouse floor beneath him rippled, then returned to normal. Henry, Shelley hissed. Clicking his fingers, Filthy Henry extinguished the glowing orb above the corpse and plunged the warehouse once more into gloomy darkness. He waved for Shelley to come over to him. She peered around the corner of her hiding place, then darted across the floor towards him, keeping as low as she possibly could. Leave your fairy sight on, Filthy Henry said, as his eyes adjusted to the gloom and the world took on a strange blue tinge in the darkness. Three Garda just came into the warehouse with some medical types, Shelley said. I don't think they saw your globe. Downey had no doubt given them as much time as he could, which was nice of him, but still, a little warning that they were out of time would have been even nicer. How hard could it have been to accidentally test a megaphone or something? Now they were both sitting beside a corpse with no valid reason for being there, and the only way into the warehouse was blocked by people that liked to arrest things. Filthy Henry looked around them, trying to see if there was any way out. The warehouse was like all buildings of its type, big and wide interior with only a few windows set up high near the roof, meaning it was going to be nigh impossible to sneak out a back door or use a convenient window to get away without being caught. To make matters worse, Shelley had started to panic. She was breathing faster than before. Obviously the thought of getting nicked for murder was not an appealing one to her. Truth be told, it did not roll all that well with Filthy Henry either, but he had been in situations like this before. Can't you just magic us out of here? Shelley asked, pressing up against a crate as if it made her invisible to the naked eye. Make us see through, or use that thing you did coming into the warehouse to begin with. The thing with the trail's blue light? No, Filthy Henry said. Making two of us invisible would take a lot of energy and my tank is running quite low. I haven't had a proper breakfast yet, and I've been doing too much magic as it is on nearly an empty stomach. 
But you were eating a muffin with coffee when I was in your office not forty minutes ago. I know. I usually have that while waiting for my porridge to heat up. Well, bloody well come up with something to get us out of here, will you? Shelley said, peeking down at the medical team who had reached the first body and were starting to examine it. Filthy Henry groaned inwardly. Yet another reason not to have a partner was making itself abundantly clear. When you worked alone, you only had to worry about getting yourself out of situations like this. With a partner, things got a lot more complicated. What with having to save two people? Come on, he said, taking Shelley by the hand and leading her further into the warehouse and away from the Gardaí. Since meeting this man, Shelley had developed the ability to see things that were not really there, or were there but just not meant to be seen. She had entered a guard a crime scene through the front door nonetheless while an investigation was going on. She'd aided in the theft of evidence from said crime scene and was now running from the very same crime scene and the law itself, all because she had wanted him to find her cat. At that moment she felt like a cat herself, figuring that her curiosity was most definitely going to kill her. Where are we going? she asked him in a whisper. Just keep up. Make sure you don't get seen, Filthy Henry hissed. They moved quickly amongst the crates and boxes, the alleyways of the warehouse. Filthy Henry clearly had no idea where he was going, stopping at every corner and looking around for a moment before running off in another direction. All that he seemed to be doing was putting distance between themselves and the guardee by the dried-up bodies. I thought you worked with them, Shelley said. I need you to focus right now, Filthy Henry replied. He let go of her hand and ran over to a small office cabin set into the back corner of the warehouse, as far from the front door as possible. It was your typical office cabin, faded white paint all over the walls, small windows set into it so the warehouse floor could be observed from within. The fairy detective pushed open the office door and peered inside. He looked back at Shelley, a big grin on his face. Come on, we have a way out. She looked around, made sure that no guardie had spotted them, then crept over to the office. Inside everything was dirty and covered with trash, the office clearly as unused as the warehouse had been. There was a large collection of crushed beer cans littering the floor, an indication that somebody had used this spot for some quiet underage drinking at some stage. Filthy Henry was over at one of the windows, pushing it up and open. Once it locked into place, he popped his head through, out onto the alleyway that ran beside the warehouse. Without a word he climbed out onto the window ledge, then dropped to the ground outside. Shelley went over to the window. Filthy Henry's head appeared suddenly once more, startling her. He helped her climb out of the window into the alley beside the warehouse. Now what? she asked. Well, Filthy Henry said, looking back at the street, how about we go get lunch after our run? Run? The fairy detective nodded his head towards the street, then turned and started running down the alley in the opposite direction. Shelley looked back and saw the newly recruited Garda that Filthy Henry had tricked earlier on watching them. She decided that a little light exercise would be a great idea. Work up an appetite for lunch and all that. Several kilometres away, on Kildare Street, there stands a building that has been home to a strange collection of people for many years. Not that this is common knowledge, since the inhabitants of the building keep to themselves. The occupants had, over the decades, become very good at discouraging people from prying into their affairs. There was nothing like an unexplained disappearance or ten to make people want to avoid the place, coupled with a masterful game of Chinese whisper, where the word empty somehow got mixed up with mass murderer, 
and the building became the world's best hideout. The former employer of Jim looked at his assembled henchmen and smiled. Everything was going nearly to plan. The mother croc had been stolen, all three of the gullible employees disposed of, all without anybody catching wind of what was really going on. If only that Garda Leerling had not shown up when Jim and Frankie were being retired from active living, then the caper would have easily fallen into the category of a perfect crime, but there was no time to dwell on that. With any luck, the two bodies would keep the Garda force busy for days to come, which meant it was time to move on to phase two. He reached inside the empty crock and pulled out a fistful of euro notes. A slight magical light came off the notes as the mother croc's energies completed their creation. Clean and crisp and freshly minted through magical means. That was another of the wonderful properties that a leprechaun croc had. If you listen to the fairy tales, all the croc could do was make gold. But gold had to be converted into cash somehow. You couldn't just walk into a shop and hand over a gold coin, expecting to get the right amount of change back. Chances were that the coin you gave the shopkeeper would be enough to buy the shop itself. No, the real beauty of the crocs was that they could make any currency in any denomination. Not many people outside of the fairy world knew that fact. If you wanted gold, you could conjure gold, but if you needed a few euro for the bus, you could make that as well. Jim's former employer held the euro up for all the henchmen to see. You're all going to be involved in making history, he told the assembled group. Each and every one of you. I cannot tell you how much this will mean to me after decades of waiting and my time has finally arrived. Then again, to paraphrase a great author, time is on my side. This got the desired chuckle from those in the room. A little bit of species-specific humour never failed with fairy folk. I want to let you all know that I could not have done this without you, he continued, pulling more money out of the mother crock. Literally, I would not be here today if it were not for you. I will not forget this when we succeed, and have no fear. He looked towards the henchman to his right, who had a large bag in his hands. Can you bring that over to me? The henchman stepped closer and spilled the contents of the bag on the ground. Jim's former employer reached down and picked up a brown leather wallet from the pile of wallets, stuffing it with money. A small token of my undying appreciation. His joke elicited more laughter from the crowd. I've had these wallets handmade for you, and I've filled them full of cash. I want each of you to go forth with your new wallet and complete the final stage of the plan. A hand was raised in the back of the room. This didn't annoy Jim's former employer, but he was confused. Surely nobody could have questions at this stage. Everything was so simple and straightforward. All the hard work had already been done. Um, the questioner said, Could we wait till evening? Just it's a little, um, bright outside? Jim's former employer looked over at the blacked out windows to his left. He had forgotten the time. Lost in the excitement of his brilliant plan coming to fruition. Yes, he said. Valid point, that. Take your new wallets and wait until dusk. You know the rest. Although, if somebody has a spare bottle of Factor 60 sunblock handy, I wouldn't mind borrowing it. I'll pay you back. Honest. Yet another laugh. With an audience like this, it would be easy for a man to believe he was funny. Jim's former employer tossed the full wallet towards the nearest henchman. He then bent down, picked up another one and started to fill it from the mother crock. Soon, so very soon, Jim's former employer knew he was going to get the recognition that he deserved. 
Filthy Henry, The Fairy Detective, is a novel by Derek Power. Other Filthy Henry novels are currently available to buy on Amazon Kindle. This audiobook version was narrated by Niall Milton.